and welcome to the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by LifeNow. Manchester City conducted an open training session at Old Trafford in exchange for three points while Spurs' forgettable nil-nil draw with Everton on Conte's debut showed that the Italian will need to spend sleepless nights at the training ground. Elsewhere, we look back on the Live Now game of the week between Arsenal and Watford and round up the rest of the game week. And in our talk of the town, we discuss the latest managerial upheavals in the Premier League and who'd we like to see given a go. This is the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Live Now. Hi everyone, I'm Raushan. And I'm Deepan. Guys, just before we get stuck in, do remember enough with this piracy. For the forthcoming campaign, Live Now will offer single match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week. And we know you fellas listening in love a good giveaway. Uh, so don't forget to go on to our Instagram or Facebook page or even our Twitter page at TFinalWhistle to find out how you can win three free Premier League match passes each match week for yourself. Check it! Yep. Uh, Roshan, this isn't quite trivia, but what do Steve Bruce, Daniel Farker, I'm not swearing by the way, <laughs> Cisco, Munoz and Dean Smith have in common? Wow, this one tough. I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, they all got this boot. Uh, just what, 12 weeks into the Premier League season? Yeah, correct. Le- 11 game weeks 11 into the game Premier League weeks, season. Yeah. Uh, they're all out of a job, like you said. Matt and consi- yet one man survives. I wonder who. Jürgen Klopp or what? Of course. <laughs> and Matt, considering the fact that uh, we are only, you know, like I said, 11 game weeks into the season. Uh, but, you know, before we discuss the latest coaching changes, uh, it's now time for the real trivia. Give it to me. I need uh, to win something. Newcastle United, of course, appointed Eddie Howe as their new manager. Uh, he's actually the seventh English coach uh, to take over at St. James Park for Newcastle United. Uh, I want to know who are two other English managers who've gi- been given the job. Don't don't mention Steve Bruce because that's... Okay, okay. okay. Alan yeah. Scherer, Jerome Sunes. Oh no, Sunes is not English. Alan Scherer, uh, Steve McLaren. I won't qualify Alan Scherer because that was... Uh, he was intercepted by Chris Wooten okay, who was okay. Irish. Uh, so there's still another one there. You said uh, who's Steve McLaren? Uh, yeah, Steve McLaren is Sam one. Allardyce. Sam Allardyce, huh? English manager, right? Sam manager Allardyce was uh, way before that also. Sam Allardyce was in uh, 2007, But you want two English managers who managed at Newcastle? No, no, no. From these last six. Oh, so from basically, the last six. The, the last six, six there was one non-English, yeah, yeah. which is Rafa Benitez, yeah. obviously. But in that six, yeah. Steve yeah. McLaren and someone else. Oof. Steve McLaren and uh, Alan Padua. Yep. Boom! <laughs> See, I always give you easy ones, lah. <laughs> Ah uh, yeah, when I win it's easy. <laughs> when you lose, it's a hard fixture. A bit like okay, la, don't cry lah. Uh, and in this week's talk of the town, we will take a look at the sackings of Daniel Farker Again. and Dean Smith and discuss who we'd like to see in the Premier League. I think we're at a stage now where football clubs look at managers and they're not just managers, the coaches really and everything else in a club is in place. And it's can I get someone better than them? Yes, I can. I'm going to go and do it. That, of course, was Jamie Carragher, if his accent didn't give it away, talking about the mindset of clubs looking to replace underperforming head coaches. Let's start off by talking about Norwich. Surprised? Um, not surprised. I mean, simply because I think we, we've seen their results uh, this season, uh, especially that, that game against Chelsea, the hammering that they received. But more so than that, the, 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 the performance on that night, I think, was quite terrible for for English Premier League team. I know a lot of people were talking about Norwich and saying that, like... Uh, 
what what is the point of Norwich coming up to the Premier League if they're going to perform like that? But the timing definitely surprised me. I mean, especially after they they won Brentford, right? Who many did not expect at all, uh, given from the fact that some people captained uh, Ivan Tony in their <laughs> some people, some fools <laughs> in their fantasy. Premier Come on, Raj, not talking about you. Promise. <laughs> and and Jerome also captain Ivan Tony. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So so Misery I think loves company. That that was obviously a, a a surprise for me, but. You've got to do something, right? I mean, if you are if you are losing games, uh, clearly I think this was an appointment or audition that they made even before that game. Because no yeah. way, I think they would have done it after the game. Uh, so in that case, I'm not surprised. Uh, what what about you? Do you think this was a decision that was coming? Hundred percent. I think uh, it was decided before the game. I mean, a bit sayang that he went on to win that game finally uh, against Brentford and then still got the sack. But I don't think even winning that would have changed their mind or even made them think about it again. I think Norwich have been brave to do it. They had to do it now because obviously it's an international break and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think Norwich will have a host of players away on international duty Mm -hmm. lesser than the rest of the club. So whoever comes in now will have time to impart some ideas over this next 10 days or something like that and they need to get the appointment right because as it stands I'm looking at the Premier League table now Norwich are rock bottom 5 points but they are level with Newcastle and in 17th are Watford who are within touching distance in 5 points. So if they can Go on a run, I don't expect them to go on a Man City-like run, but if they can sneak a couple of wins, then they're in the equation, right? They're not down and out. And I think they're counting on a new manager to come in and give them that bounce. So for Norwich's sake, is the squad good enough to stay in the Premier League? I have question marks, but maybe a new manager comes in and tries and ekes out the best from that squad and give a right old go at it rather than just, you know, go out on a whimper. Yep, uh, and Farker was not the only head coach to lose his job last week. Of course, uh, Dean Smith was shown the door as well after a fifth straight defeat for Aston Villa. Raushan, we had a brief conversation about uh, Dean Smith in particular and Aston Villa. Uh, I think it was before the season started. Yeah, I think he was, he was my selection to get the boot first, first actually. Yeah. I mean, obviously unprecedented that seven others have got yeah. the sack and, so far. But yeah. and, and you felt at that time that recruitment seemed a little uh, hasty from, from the villains. Is that still the reason that you think uh, Aston Villa have underperformed? Uh, I think so. I think uh, the players who have come in, Buendia, Bai, Bali... How do I pronounce Leon it? Bay, yeah. Leon Bay. Leon yeah. Bay haven't covered themselves in glory. But you're also losing your talisman. Jack Grealish is really a talisman who everything went through him. Yep. So to fill that void is going to be very difficult. We've seen in the yesteryears, Tottenham suffer when Gareth Bale leaves and then they sign a host of players. So I think with Aston Villa, they were already setting themselves up in a difficult position mm-hmm. uh, going into the season, signing so many new players, trying to replace Grealish. Uh, I know Brighton lost Ben White as well, but I feel it's easier to make up a defensive loss than an attacking loss because attack wins you matches, right? And I think that's where Dean Smith maybe set it set, set himself up for failure almost. And Aston Villa as well, in terms of signings, the money they've invested as a club, I think they are looking to make the step up. And it does look like Dean Smith comes across as a wonderful guy, Aston Villa through and through, if I'm not wrong. But it seems like glass ceiling already, like that's the most he can get out of this squad. Maybe a new manager will come in. I mean, I'm very excited at the possibility of, we'll talk about replacements, but if they get their recruitment right, I think there's a good squad there that a new manager can take on and they have a very supportive owner. So yeah. it could be a very good job. You know, you know, I see a lot of parallels between uh, Dean Smith and uh, a certain Ole Gunnar Shoska at United you simply because, uh, like you just mentioned, right, glass ceiling already reached uh, their, their potential in terms of what they can do with the squad. Uh, same things I could say about Ole at the moment. But I think more strikingly was the fact that just like how Ole hasn't been able to fill uh, a Rafael Varane, uh, Jadon Sancho, 
his fully fit, strong squad. I think Dean Smith has a problem as well. Mm. Where, uh, we talk about Wendy, uh, Leon Bailey, Danny Ings, yeah. Uh, yeah. Watkins. We have not seen all four of them in the same lineup. Uh, Which on paper is exciting, but exciting. to your point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think, uh, same same thing I would say. I think it's a bit too early. I feel I feel uh, you should have given Dean Smith but a I bit of time. I think it's that the statement, I think Aston Villa really said results over the year. Mm. Rather yeah, than yeah, that, yeah. that's so a very I good point. I've, yeah. I've I've heard I've read a few things and heard a few other podcasts where they say it's very telling that they said results over the years, so they did notice a downward trend. And sometimes you know, Basila, the manager yeah, has been yeah, there so yeah. long. They came up from the championship, and that's it. But also to your point about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, right? Uh, Dean Smith obviously finished mid table last year, and then. Aston Villa are looking to push on from that. Obviously, West Ham have been a fairy tale and yep. they've somehow achieved to sit third at the moment. I don't think they'll stay there, but Aston Villa are looking to bridge that gap from 10th to a European position, which is very difficult. I think it's easier said than done and I think Dean Smith, they realise that Dean Smith is not the way forward and again, brave decision because you can't invest players so much money, spend so much money on players but not have a correct manager to push them forward and I think that's what Aston Villa are looking to do. Yeah, uh, let's now of course talk about what we want to talk about which is uh, who we'd like to see take on these two jobs in the English Premier League. Of course, uh, we will be talking about Newcastle but of course they have already appointed Eddie Howe uh, which I think is a terrific appointment. I would love to see what he does with the Newcastle team. But let's start off with Norwich of course. Um, we look at Norwich right now and, and you mentioned they're sitting rock bottom of, of the English Premier League. So, you can go both ways, right? Where you have a lot of exciting attacking talents at Norwich, I believe, like uh, Todd Cantwell, Milots uh, Rashika comes to mind, uh, Timu Puki as well comes to mind. Uh, it's either you go with an attacking manager who gets the best out of these attacking players, or you revert to someone who is going to play that direct football, uh, get the best out of this mm. squad mm. in that viewpoint. Um, but let me just run through the, the, the odds in terms of who is likely to replace uh, Daniel Farker at Norwich. Uh, right on top is, of course, I'm not. I'm sure you're not surprised because I'm sure you've seen a lot of articles on this. Frank Lampard, of course, yeah. sits right at the top of the next Norwich City manager odds. Second is quite an interesting one. It's actually Kajitil Natsen, who is of course cool. the head coach at Bodo Glimt, oh, okay. uh, the ones who, were who beat Roma. Yeah, who beat yeah. Roma six one, yeah. and also were the Norwegian champions okay. not too long ago. I'm not a fan of Norwegian league winners, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> And and third on the list is Dean Smith. Oh wow! Uh, who, who of yeah, course just left uh, Aston Villa. Yeah. Uh, I think I will just run off the fourth and fifth ones. Is uh, Russell Martin comes in at fourth. He's of course a former Norwich City player. He's mm. now a Swansea uh, head coach. And fifth is Roy Hodgson. Oh wow! <laughs> Uncle Roy. Yeah, yeah, Uncle Roy. So you know one thing I'm really pleased in that list. Don't have your Samuel Dice, your yeah. Tony Pulis. It Steve looks Bruce. like yeah, it looks like the Premier League has moved on from those type of signings and I think you see the likes of Patrick Vieira coming, new age managers who 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 possibly are the way forward, right? And mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that Frank Lampard is top of that list purely because he's shown he's an able manager, not just at Chelsea but at Derby previously as well. So it might be interesting to get someone like Frank Lampard purely because of the progressive way that he'll play. He's a new age manager. But even for Frank Lampard, to fight relegation, I don't know. You need somebody. You need somebody bigger than that because touch. Let's be honest here, Norwich. Whoever comes in, you're not suddenly going to shoot up to the table and finish in the top half. You're looking to stave off relegation and then flirt with uh, higher higher regions of the bottom half of the table. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, will Frank Lampard be content with that? I don't know. We'll talk about Aston Villa later. I between the two, if I were Frank, I'll choose Aston Villa. But the based on the list you read off, I think Dean Smith. 
purely because I mean I'll be surprised if it happens so quickly but Dean Smith has shown that he can bring a club up from a championship and if things go bad for Norwich that's the situation they'll find in so no point you hire a manager now yeah, good point. and then end of the season you have to revisit your goals again mm-hmm. so if they're looking long term Dean Smith passionate guy knows his way around the championship has fought relegation battles with Austin Villa so perhaps Dean Smith yeah I think that's a good shout as well uh, but I would love personally to see Frank Lampard, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, given a go again. I mean, I, I know things didn't quite work out for him at Chelsea, but you always saw that progressive uh, style of football that he wanted to play. Uh, I think he did well with Derby. Um, I think Chelsea job came too early for him, I think. Uh, I think at Norwich, I think you got no pressure in a sense where I think a lot of fans have already been resigned to the fact that they probably will get relegated. Even from the media perspective, seems like Norwich are odds-on favourite to go down. Uh, I think that gives him a bit of a leeway not to really fight relegation, but actually prepare for the, the future of Norwich City. Yeah. Uh, so I think he might be given a go, but even the second choice, the uh, Kajitil Natsen, I think seems like a very interesting candidate to be up there as well. And I, I'm someone who loves to see new coaching staff come into the Premier League. So I, I wish he's given a go as well. I, Just, I can see your point about that interesting uh, number two on that mm-hmm. uh, on that list. But I'll be surprised because Daniel Farker was a left field appointment. Yeah, First time yeah. I said his name. Really sounds like I'm swearing. But uh, I don't think Norwich will go down that road. Frank Lampard, right, is exciting for me also because Todd Canwell has been sidelined under Daniel Farker. Mm. I think he they had a falling out or something like mm. that and we saw what um, Frank Lampard can do with young English talent. I think he did that well at Chelsea and Chelsea are reaping the rewards now. So maybe if he can do the same thing with Canwell, then Norwich might be on to something. But yeah, yeah and even uh, Frank Lampard has the ability to draw on the services of uh, Billy Gilmore who oh, yes. uh, who's on yeah, loan yeah, at Norwich yeah, and yeah, someone yeah. who he used quite a lot at mm, Chelsea as mm, well. So, mm. I, for me, I mean, let's be honest here, I grew up in a generation that was uh, looking at players like Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, Steven Gerrard as mm. the go-to midfield mm. players and really the leaders of a generation, I would say. So, obviously, you know, I'm going to say that I would love to see these guys in the Premier League managing teams. I, I look at Patrick Vieira, I mean, he's obviously a former Arsenal player, but I love to watch his teams. Sure. I love to see him there standing on the sidelines because yeah. I know this guy, I used to hate him so much and, and look at him now. Thankfully, he uh, don't wear the Vicks on the suit anymore. Iconic, man. The O2 jersey. That brings a lot of memories yeah. as well. With Frank Lampard, just final point. Frank Lampard, if he does get the job, I'd like to see John Terry come back. Mm-hmm. I think just for the rest of the season. By the way, John Terry is also on the, the next... I'll be surprised because I think they let go of John Terry to go get some managerial experience. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think they cannot afford to give someone without any Premier League managerial experience. Yeah. It'll be a big risk unless they already close the curtains. They say, we, we're going to get relegated. It's okay, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it and then we see where we go. I'll be surprised. But... Yeah, it'll be nice. Frank Lampard, John Terry, a bit nostalgia and who doesn't love nostalgia, right? Yeah, and <laughs> you sure? <laughs> you know, I mean, I loved it while it lasted. John Terry in that list, right? He's right after uh, Roy Hodgson. Okay. He's uh, quite higher. Roy Hodgson probably older than the four <laughs> other people in the list combined. Bro. Probably, bro. The dinosaur of uh, coaching. Let's move on You're now sign to... Jason Puncheon or Len Norris. Hey, Jason Puncheon, huh? Legends. Uh, going now to... The streets to will never forget. Aston Villa. Uh, of course, they 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 had a very different position to Norwich City because, like you mentioned, right, fantastic players that they have signed. Uh, Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins. Uh, even in midfield, they have Morgan Sanson still to come from from injury. So lots of talent there for Aston Villa. Uh, and let me just read off their their next uh, manager odds at the moment. Uh, a very heavy heavy odds on favorite at the moment is Steven Gerrard. Makes sense. Uh, Mr. Sleepy G himself. Uh, second. <laughs> Second on the list is Roberto Martinez, of course, uh, formerly with, every job suddenly formerly with Everton and uh, Wigan, now with the Belgium national team. Third on this list is uh, actually John Terry. 
uh, who's of course there previously as the assistant coach. Fourth on the list is Frank Lampard. Uh, the fifth one is what is really interesting to me, which is, uh, uh, I'm probably sure I'm not going to get his name right, but it's Casper Hillman. Oh, I, I, read, I read about this. Who is, uh, of course, the Danish national mm. team head coach. Mm. Mm. Uh, and of course, the last one on the list is Paulo Fonseca, the mm. former Shakhtar and Roma manager. Uh, just want to touch on the similar things I said about Norwich, which is, of course, I, I would love to see these former players uh, given a go in this role. But the reason why I think I could see uh, Steven Gerrard taking this role is simple. Let's be honest, Steven Gerrard's end goal is clear. Of he course. would want to be a Liverpool head coach. And to me, I don't see him jumping from the Scottish League, even though, yes, he was champions with uh, uh, Rangers. I don't see him going from there straight to Liverpool. And it's not also going to happen uh, in the foreseeable future. I think Jurgen Klopp is going to be there for at least two, three, four years. But you imagine he comes into the Premier League. That's a good job with Aston Villa. When Klopp goes, the, the opportunity is right there for Gerrard to jump from Aston Villa to a Liverpool job. So to me, uh, and, and a lot of uh, Steven Gerrard's former teammates have come out to the to the press to say, ah, I don't think Steven Gerrard will take up the job because I think he would rather win uh, back-to-back titles at uh, the Scottish Premier League with Rangers before I think Brendan Rodgers will disagree to that because he yeah. left Celtic. Yeah, because way, at right? the end, you, can't, you cannot compare a Scottish League with the Premier League, right? I mean, no matter how much you want. And at the end of the day, I think Celtic this season are different beasts compared to previous seasons with Ange Postecoglou there. I think they are definitely doing a much better job. So it's not a given that Steven Gerrard might win the Scottish title this season. It was a given last season. So I, I do think that this is an opportunity right now for Gerard to come into the Premier League and coach a team that's already set up for him to be more or less successful in the sense of getting a top half finish. Yep. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I think it'll be it'll be nice nice to see uh, Steven Gerrard back in the Premier League at the helm. We talk about nostalgia, having Frank Lampard, uh, Steven Gerrard uh, ticks all those boxes for me as well. It'd be great. But of course, you're talking about a fairy tale situation where he does well with Aston Villa. I think he will if he gets the job, but it could also go the other way where he flops his his audition and then the the Liverpool job becomes out of reach almost, right? So there's might be that uh, weighing on his mind because I get what you mean. He might not get the Liverpool job if he, do, if he doesn't have Premier League experience. But if you're continuing to get success at Rangers and then the Liverpool job becomes available, he will definitely be top of that list. But having said that, I, I'm reading now that Arsene Villa are approaching Steven Gerrard. So in all likelihood it looks like he is the odds-on favourite to come in and it will be a breath of fresh air purely because then you will have in the Premier League, possibly, Patrick Vieira, Steven Gerrard and uh, Frank Lampard possibly managing, which is a, a dream for me. Like 18-year-old me is like, wow, I never thought I'd see this. And yeah, I think Gerrard has proven himself as a winner and he has, if there's a good opportunity for him, this is it. If he wants Premier League experience, this is the perfect opportunity for him to get because I don't think there'll be a job better suited for him in a long while. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of Liverpool fans will want to see Steven Gerrard back in the Premier League in one form or another. Uh, personally, for me, I think I will look forward to the post-match uh, interviews where they ask him how the team do and he will go, yeah, but that's it. Uh, we, you know, and you can't understand what he's saying. And I think that was always something I remembered as a young boy watching the, the Premier League. Let's now move on now to the uh, the games of the Premier League in the past weekend. Of course, we've got to start with the live now featured game of the week, uh, which was between Arsenal and Watford. Arsenal, of course, running out 1-0 winners over Watford, which I think not many of us expected because we expected there to be at least 3-4 goals mm. in this. Uh, Noah was quite confident that they might not get a clean sheet. Uh, one thing I'd like to highlight in this game because I, I, I didn't watch the game, but I saw the highlights after the game and I saw that when Arsenal actually scored the goal, the winning goal, 
he came from actually Watford putting the ball out for for an injury. Okay. And Arsenal did not return the ball to to Watford. They took the ball, went on the run, and yeah, they scored the yeah, goal. Which yeah. uh, because I, I I noticed because at the full time whistle when I switched over to the Arsenal game, Ranieri was seething. He was yeah. like talking uh, to, well, to. I saw that. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I was wondering time, yes. why why this Italian nice uncle yeah, being so yeah, mad. Yeah. And I went to watch the goal back. Even in his post match interview, Ranieri was like, "This shouldn't be happening." So left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. But uh, I, I I I beg to refer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think okay. I see your point about fair play and all that. Completely understand that. Don't get me wrong, but. It's nice to see Arsenal be ruthless a bit. You need that sort of streak, which is what I said earlier in the season. There is no... You can't be too nice. And this is something I'll bring up later with Ole as well. But you can't be too nice if you want to win high-level Premier League games. Agree. And okay, fair play, I understand that. But it's also fair play to play on. Yeah. Especially yeah. at nil-nil. You're chasing a game. Arsenal clearly wanted the win. And yes, they got it from that throw-in that they were awarded rather than won. But I don't see anything wrong with it. I thought Arsenal... Did well, yeah. So, so I I fundamentally disagree in a sense where I think uh, fair play got to be taken care of before going with other elements. Yes, I agree with this whole ruthless streak and whatnot. Uh, but I mean, Arsenal supporters are one of the most whiniest bunch in the Premier League. They always whine about decisions left, right, and center. And then I, I uh, after this particular goal, they were like, "Oh, what's wrong?" I but mean, it happened. So to me, I feel like. You, if you want to accept it, fine. Then don't whine about I, the decisions sure, that go against you. I'm sure against it will balance yeah. itself out over the course of the season. They'll be denied a stone stonewall penalty or something like that. But yeah, fair play, man. They got three points. Just give it to them. They yeah. have a good run. And of course, we've got to talk about the run that they're on right mm. now at the moment, right? And uh, even particular players like Emil Smith-Rowe, of course, has been rewarded with uh, a national team call-up for England. I mean, because a lot of players have dropped in Rashford and uh, I think Mason Mount is is, is is a doubt as well at the mm. moment. So Smith-Rowe has got the chance. I think what surprised me about Arsenal, and, and this goes to show about Smith-Rowe as well, I think it's quite synonymous in the sense where I expected Arsenal to come up in a sense where improve on their results and performance over time. Mm. Uh, but this has come quite early in the season, I would say, because I think they signed a bunch of new players, a lot of young young talents on the pitch as well with Smith-Rowe, Saka and all. Uh, I've always felt that Smith-Rowe needed a lot more games at the top level to show his progress because I know a lot of Huddersfield fans really, really love the boy because he mm. did so well in the in the championship for them. So I thought that, you know, maybe uh, a loan at another club in the Premier League would have, you know, really benefited Smith-Rowe. But what he's got at Arsenal actually is that game time. Yep. That, 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 because I, I actually doubted that. I didn't think that Arteta would throw Smith-Rowe into the first team and let him thrive there. But he's played game after game at the expense of uh, Martin Odegaard mm. who, who I did not expect because I, I read Martin Odegaard very highly and this guy has come out and you know got Odegaard out of the team and he's been playing game after game and you see the benefits of that mm. and I think Smithrow I think what's so nice about him is the ability to take the ball and push forward with it, which you don't see in a lot of these uh, attacking midfielders because they love to play that the true ball to to the front line. Play safe, yeah. Yeah, play yeah, safe in yeah. a sense. I think Arteta deserves massive credit for the faith he's given in Smithrow. Of course, <laughs> Smithrow has taken the opportunity with uh, open arms, but it comes from the manager as well to to equip your player with the the belief that he can do that. I and mean, you got to be brave, him, right? Yeah, exactly. And they give him number ten mm. at the start of the season, ah, yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. was already a telling sign that yeah. this guy is part of the plans. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's it's nice. But hey, my I'm not gonna diss on Arsenal. I I can't possibly do that. But I fear. That an injury or two to the Arsenal eleven, starting eleven might derail things mm-hmm. because starting eleven they are on form, things are going well. There's a good atmosphere around the club, of course. But an injury to someone like Smith Rowe, someone like Saka, someone like uh, Gabriel at the back. Oh, Gabriel uh, is fantastic. Yeah. And those yeah. those those uh, incidences could 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 
make it difficult. And I, I don't wish this upon them, of course not. But we've seen international duty robbing certain players, certain teams of certain players. So for Arsenal's sake, I hope it doesn't happen. But Arsenal need to tread carefully because while their first eleven is very good at the moment, uh, not just uh, based on form, but also playing, I think they would suffer if they get an injury. I'm uh, just going to play devil's advocate here. Not necessarily my own viewpoint, but uh, would you say that despite the fact that Arsenal have been on a very good run, it's also come against teams that you expect Arsenal to do well against. So, they, of course, they drew, they, they did draw two games against uh, Brighton and uh, I think Crystal Palace was was another one. But they beat Aston Villa, they beat Watford. Again, two two games where they're expected to win. Yes, of course, they did win Leicester City, but we saw how that game went and mm. how the whole second half, they were under the cosh. But, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the next episode where the next game is of course against uh, Liverpool. Mm. Do you think the next three games or, or four games will actually be a more of a better reflection on where Arsenal are going this season? Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think opponents in yesteryears, you think Arsenal on paper, these opponents should be walking over, right? But such has been the state of affairs at the club over the past few years that now they it's not a given that they win football matches anymore. As for a lot of other teams as well, but for Arsenal in particular, I think over the next, not just three games, six games, they got Liverpool, they got Newcastle, they got Man United, they got Everton, they got Southampton, and then they got West Ham. I think that will be more telling. And it also goes into a, a crucial part of the season. December is always exciting. Games come thick and fast. So then Arsenal, if they do suffer a wobble over the next six, whether they have the mental capacity, because they're a very young team. Very, very young, right? Even the defence, I think, has an average age of 23 or something. So, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with bigger challenges. Alright, uh, moving on to the other games in the Premier League, of course. Uh, the game week started with Southampton uh, winning 1-0 over Aston Villa, of course, which happened to be Dean Smith's last game in charge. Chelsea with a surprise 1-1 draw at home to Burnley. Uh, Brentford, of course, going down 2-1 to Norwich City, as discussed earlier. Uh, Everton with a 0-0 draw to... Tottenham Hotspur, of course, in Antonio Conte's first game in charge. Uh, we'll talk about this a bit later on when we talk about uh, FPL Fantasy Radar. Uh, Arsenal, of course, 1-0 winners uh, over Watford in the Live Now game of the week. Uh, coming now to the training session at Old Trafford. Uh, United nil, Man City 2. Under 16s, bro, that one. <laughs> I, I, I just want to start off by saying you you heard how uh, angry I was after that uh, five nil demolition. I stay in Kalang. You stay Bradel. I uh, Topayo. I still can hear you. Bro. Yeah, the uh, that result. But I would say I felt worse after this game than I did uh, after the Liverpool game, simply because there was just nothing, nothing to 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 show for from the game. I mean, you talk about aggression or or desire and all. Sometimes you you see in defeats, even in that five nil defeat, I dare say there was a bit of a semblance of desire in some sense, like to to not want to to concede more or, or whatnot. But in this City game, it was a uh, it was almost like. We are going to lose, but we lose 2-0, okay. Yeah, yeah. 3-0, okay. 4-0, mm-hmm. cannot. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we yeah. stick to our game. That makes limitation, right? Yeah, and yeah. every time we saw United have the ball, there was no Coherence, desire to, yeah. to, to do anything with it. Yeah. And I know at the end of the day, you keep saying the same thing, which is true. I agree. The buck stops at the manager. But surely, I mean, as players, you also got to take some form of responsibility for your gameplay, which is why it makes me mad to see post-match interviews and Maguire your captain coming out to say you got no belief. Like... Manchester United captain, by the yeah, way. Yeah, saying you've got, you've got no belief. So yeah, I know we can go on and on about Ole and all, but but I just feel, what is wrong with players out there? And you, you see even Ronaldo. Okay, I take your point. I take your point. Players need to take more responsibility. Mm. Completely agree. Mm. But a player can only take care of himself. Mm? For example, Bruno takes it upon himself to bring the ball forward. 
But if Juan Bisaka is not giving him an overlapping run to give yeah. him an out ball. So that comes from coaching, and that's my point. I agree with you. Players need to take responsibility, yeah, have I, some so, pride. So I'm not saying yeah. I'm not absolving Ole from the blame. I, I completely agree that I mean I've I've admitted as such that in terms of a coaching or tactician point of view, something's got to give already that Ole is really not up for the job at the moment. But what I'm saying is that for all these tactics or coaching that you talk about, and I completely agree with you. Surely, as a Manchester United player, you've got to have it in you to do something better with the ball. Of course. And, and the thing is, what I'm talking about is in that particular... Which is why it infuriates me this particular game. A lot of the time where you had players on the ball, like for example, there was this phase of play where McTominay had the ball, looking for a way out, looking for someone to pass to. Running in circles, right? Yeah, nobody came up yeah. to him and offered a, a route to him. And to yeah. me, I, I personally feel it's not about coaching at, at yeah. the end of the day. This is about your personal desire to want to do well for your club. And you look at certain things like... Bruno um, not closing down uh, Canseo's cross mm. quick enough and he resulted in that silly own goal. I mean, both the goals that we considered could have been avoided. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, City could have scored a lot more nicer goals. That's yeah, what I'm and, saying. And yeah. I know you talk about Ole a lot, but that, that defending for the second goal from, from Luke Shaw at the, at the far post or even bringing Maguire into the conversation to not have the leadership to to get to the ball or tell Luke Shaw there's a man on or they here to shout at the at the defender to say, hey, man on. These are basics. And MD, I think, yeah, like you said, it goes back to the coach. Is the coach doing something to for lack of better words, rile these guys up in in coach uh, in training sessions. And or... I'm also questioning now, I take your point about players and it was Harry and uh, Luke Shaw's fault for the second goal. But then I want, I do, I'm not convinced that the reaction in the dressing room after is Ole going up to Harry and saying what the fuck went on. Mm. I think he'll be like, that's all right, man. Man City, tough game, innit? We'll, we'll try next week. Fuck you lah. I mean, that's <laughs> not the way yeah. to, 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 to find things forward. Mm. That's, that's my biggest grab. Mm. I take your point. These players need a kick up the backside. I'm not convinced Ole, Michael Carrick or Kieran McKenna uh, or Mike Phelan, if he can even lift his leg that high, will give the, give the players the kick up the backside they need. Yeah, I completely agree. Which is why I think uh, at this moment, I think easy for us to sit there and say uh, United need to change things and all. But I just don't see how the the board is going to make the right decision either. But having said that, that doesn't mean that I don't want to see a change. I, I still hope to see a change because I think something's got to give you. Cannot go week after week and seeing United with no direction at all. Uh, and a lot of the, the support that I had for Ole in terms of staying in the position came from previous results, yep. previous performances, way before this season. My my own, um, I would say, uh, displeasure with with uh, this team started from that win against Newcastle, like I mentioned uh-huh. to you before. Uh-huh. So it's been a long time brewing now. Uh, and also, you're not doing only any favours at course, all. Of course, yeah. Look, I, I was, so I was at a wedding watching watching this game on my phone with... Uh, you invite bro your wedding? Not my wedding, oh. lah, bro. That one I will invite already. But I was watching you this game here. with a few of my friends, neighbourhood friends, uh... They, they, are, they are quite casuals like, in a sense. But they were looking at the game and on my phone and whenever it panned to, to Ole, they were swearing at him, bro. Yeah. Sayang, right? I yeah. mean, this guy is a legend. I always have the iconic image of 20 Ole legend, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that famous sign. I feel it's being tarnished week on week and the board are setting him up to fail. It's so sad, right, that if Ole gets sacked over the next few days, and there's the Manchester United job available and the Aston Villa job available. Hand on heart, I think the Aston Villa job is a better prospect, boy. Hmm? Purely because of the people who run the club. Yeah. And now at Woodward, ORD mode ready. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Is he going? I don't know why. How can you say you're going, but you stick around? I mean, move on. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's a football club that that is supported by so many passionate people, me included, us included. Do something. And if it's so obvious, so blinking obvious that a change needs to happen to all of us in Singapore. How can you tell me you go into your office at Old Trafford 
or every day and think, nah, nah, we got this. He, he'll tie through this. No, yeah, it's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And, and you know, I think uh, for those who haven't had the chance to watch it, go and watch uh, Michael Owen's analysis mm. of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and United at the moment. So I always tell my friends this way. A lot of my friends like to text me and ask, so how bro, you still uh, Ole in or Ole out? To, to hell with this... Fuck, is it? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 perfect. <laughs> to, to hell with this uh, Ole in, Ole out. I think fundamentally, you've got to realise this. A year ago, Manchester United and now, is it the same? I don't think so. I think you can talk a lot about this identity and all that wasn't there for a long time, right? I, I disagree because I think it was fun to watch Manchester United play. Like I told you, I think we were talking about this off-air, about that 9-0 win against Southampton, the 5-1, 6-1 against Leeds. There was a lot of exuberance, energy with United, but the energy has gone out of the Except window up, now. Yeah. And I cannot in the right state of mind tell you that I did not want Conte simply because I think it would be a very backwards appointment in the sense of how the team identity will look like. And then support what's been happening there where one week you want to play 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 attacking style which we will see probably against Watford, right? I'm quite I sure. Hope. Yeah. And then suddenly you have uh, United playing a semblance of a 5-3-2 and then you, you are saying you're okay. That No, I'm okay with 5-3-2s by the way. I'm okay. But you need to have energy in the display. You need to have a forward thinking when you have the ball. There needs to be a blueprint. Which there is needs to be a blueprint, yeah. Not And existed. the worst thing I've seen this week was an athletic article yeah. uh, saying that uh, in training, uh, they were trying out Jadon Sancho at right wing back. Mm. Mm. The moment I saw that, my blood boiled. Yeah. I'm like, you signed this yeah. guy for 70 million. See, that's million. the problem. It's the blueprint doesn't just affect your week-on-week -week performances. It affects your recruitment. It affects everything because... Like, for example, even top to bottom in the club, your under-19s, your under-16s, whatever, you should follow that blueprint so there's a chain, right? There's yeah, a cycle yeah. of, of progression, right? That blueprint is completely devoid. And I think United under Sir Alex Ferguson, yes, counter-tanking football, that the, the idea of a blueprint or playing style or philosophy wasn't as vogue as it is now. Right now, it's, it's the go-to. You look at not just uh, the competition, right? There are other teams in the Premier League who have a clearly defined style and it's so hard to watch United not have a clearly defined style. I can't remember the last time I went into watching a United game feeling absolutely confident. I will always need the first 10 minutes to see which United is showing up and that's been telling over the past few years, not just under Ole, various different managers. So that's the blueprint that is lacking and I think that's why the next appointment has to be so spot on that they set it in place for the future, not just short term. And that's why perhaps you don't like Conte mm -hmm. or you prefer not for yeah. Conte because so, he is a short term appointment. Yeah, in that so, sense. so if you're talking just about trophies and all, of course, of course, in a heartbeat, I say Conte because he is going to be uh, someone who's going to bring the best out of the team. I can see him winning stuff as suppose this season, bro. That's how much I rate Conte. But to me, you bring in Conte and then he leaves in two years, then you appoint again and he's going to be all over the same exactly. thing. Yeah. But my concluding statement is this. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have got away uh, by being in a United job last season. Last, last season. But right now, in the 2021 season of the English Premier League, he has, the tactical level has gone to such a high level that you cannot get away with things. A team like Brentford, yes, I know they've been on the uh, having some bad results last week. A team like Brentford can come into the Premier League and show that caliber of football and tactical gameplay to their performances. You can no longer hide you cannot hide in the Premier League anymore. And that's why I think we are being found out at the moment. Even Brentford though, yes, are absolutely fearless in yeah. the way they play. Who and I know it's against care. Liverpool yeah. and City, but even against a Watford, I know Ranieri's style is to sit back and play on the counter. I can see United going to Watford and trying to dominate uh, possession because this is the game where they will play like a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, right? And Watford being happy enough to keep uh, Ismail Assa out 
very wide on the right flank, keeping Emmanuel Dennis very wide on the left flank, hitting us with a counter and they win the game 1-0 or 2-1. You know, that's that's how I see it. You cannot hide in the Premier League anymore and I think that's the issue. We can sit down and talk about United like we have been for the last few episodes for a very long time. Uh, let's talk about them again when we preview the Watford game in the next episode. Uh, the other results in the Premier League, of course, was Crystal Palace taking on Wolves and winning the game 2-0. Again, another fantastic result for Patrick Vieira. Brighton and Newcastle playing a 1-1 draw. Uh, Leeds United and Leicester City as well playing out a 1-1 draw. Uh, and for me, the, the the game of the week, of course, was West Ham winning 3-2 against Liverpool. My prediction for this game was actually 2-2 draw and West Ham surpassed expectations. Um, I, I think I saw some tweets on uh, on on Twitter, of course, like Twitter noise, right? <laughs> uh, where some Liverpool fans were saying... Uh, uh, Again, West- decisions... Liverpool felt hard done by hard done decisions, by sure. yeah. But but some of the I, I disagree with the goal. I I think it's a goal. Yeah, it's a goal. I, I, I know, some, I some people are saying yeah. this. Okay, but the Cresswell, I I I have seen red cards given for incidences like that before, and that would have changed the game, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. but I think a lot of Liverpool fans were saying, yeah. West Ham didn't really deserve the win yeah, or yeah. just about I, I think that's harsh. I think that's West Ham were full value for their win purely because I think they were at, I think at the break it was 1-1 and then second half it was 3-2 they, they did well and West Ham I last week said West Ham liked to score your nice goals there's a lot of passing what I failed to mention was they also score set-piece goals which helps and I think when you have as much belief running through the squad I think Declan Rice has raised his game to a different level I mean Imagine what Declan Rice could do for us in for United in the middle of the park. So yeah, I think just West Ham deserved the win, full value for the win, and it showed that Liverpool have chinks in the armor. I've touched on this time and again. Again, Liverpool fans listening, I'm not dissing your team. I think your best eleven, you have the best eleven in the team in the league, but that midfield, there's always rotation. And we saw West Ham more than once run through the middle of mm-hmm. Liverpool. More than once. And Van Dyke looked culpable for a couple of the goals. So I, I, I think it it showed that Liverpool can be beaten on their day. And we've seen Liverpool concede a lot uh, this year. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, they surrendered a two-goal lead to Brighton. Brighton. I think against Atletico, they did the same. I think they eventually won 3-2 in the Champions League. But we've seen Liverpool not as formidable at the back as they are. And I think that stems from that midfield always chopping and changing down to injuries or rotation and stuff like that. So maybe it's not going to be as straightforward this title fight, I feel. Yeah, and Declan Reza has definitely been a staple in... Uh West Ham's team uh, this year. I mean, not just this year. I think last season showed tremendous performances as well. Uh, right now, let's, of course, move on to the, our final segment of the show. Is of course, the Fantasy Premier League Final Whistle Fantasy Radar. Yep, Raushan, uh, let's start off with you firstly. Who impressed you uh, from a fantasy Premier League perspective uh, in the last game? Considering how I did in fantasy, not a lot of my players impressed me. But honestly, plenty others stood out. I think uh, Sanchez got sent off, so that's going to put me in the uh, shopping window for a keeper. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm going to eat humble pie and say Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, I think uh, he's proven that he's a good shot stopper mm-hmm. uh, and I think it'll be an uh, interesting pick but having said that as I say it I realise Arsenal have a tough run of fixtures but nonetheless I think if you're looking for a goalkeeper option uh, Aaron Ramsdale comes to mind as a, as a, as a solid choice Yep. Uh, my pick for someone who impressed me, I wouldn't use the word impressed, but stood out for me. Lah, was actually this player from the Everton-Tottenham game, which of course was Conte's debut. I, I promise to talk about this game uh, during this segment. Uh, and it's for me, Sergio Reguilón. So of course, we know Conte was going to play a, a three at the back. And uh, Davis was, Ben Davis was not the Singapore one, nah, or the Thai one. <laughs> uh, ben Davis, the Welsh 
left Oxford back. one, you mean? <laughs> or Oxford <laughs> one, yes. Was playing at uh, left centre back. So usually what happens in a Conte system is that uh, when you see, if you see a fullback playing at centre back, that probably means the the player closest to him is going to be more or less a winger. Yeah. So in the Chelsea system, if you remember, uh, Cesar Aspliqueta was playing at right centre back. Yeah. So that meant that the right wing back was more or less playing highest up. Yeah. So that was uh, if I remember correctly, Victor Moses. Yeah. So Victor yeah. Moses got a lot of returns in a uh, fantasy Premier mm-hmm. League in that year. Uh, so same thing here where he's using Ben and he could use many other centre backs because they, they've got Sanchez, they've mm. got Joe Rodon, they could use anyone at centre back but they're using um, Ben Davies at left centre back. Yeah. So definitely, this shows you that Regulon is going to be high up. Yeah. And in phases of play in this particular game, Regulon was almost like a second striker sometimes. So there was this particular play where uh, Son Heung-min ran through. He was eventually called off for offside. And the guy that was waiting in the box for the eventual layoff or cross was Sergio Regulon oh, wow. okay. who's yeah. uh, basically a defender, right? Yeah. And at 5 million, I think really, really good price and I'm sure in that first game, Spurs were not Conte Spurs yet. Of course, yeah. It's going to take a few games. Yeah. But if Regulon is going to be there and of course, I'm saying this with the fact that Ryan Sessegnon, who knows, may, may, might come in to replace uh, Regulon. Emerson Dabu. Royal as well. Emerson Royal, but who's playing at right right back at the moment. Okay. So, yeah. uh, like I said, if you're going to compare between Royal and Regulon simply because of what I just said in terms of how his system works, yeah. I think Regulon is the best bet and the next few fixtures, bro, against Leeds, Burnley and Brentford. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, forget defensive returns at the moment, but in terms of attacking possible assists or goals, I think Regulon is someone to look at. I think at. I, I like that pick because purely because from a defensive point of view, a lot of people will be plumping for your James, your Chilwell, your Cancelo. So, Luke to Shaw? get... Uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> no United player in my team. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, it'll be a differential mm-hmm. and I, I like your tactical analysis on Regulon, his position and where he finds himself. So, I, I completely agree with you. Attacking returns, 100%. Defensive returns, maybe not. But why not, right? Balances out, right? For, yeah. for for those people who are looking at my uh, Fantasy Premier League points and saying, hey, why I must listen to this fella? Just to let you know, I usually am spot on with my picks. But unfortunately, for some stupid reason, I don't follow my own picks. Okay. Yeah, so now... So this on, week, you're sticking with uh, Tariq Lamptey, is it? Uh, this week, don't yeah, have... Uh, next week, this week, don't have. So yeah. I will look at the International Game oh, Week. F- and, uh, what a guy. Decide after Football that. focus, la, this guy. Normal. La. Okay, but my, my name next John pick. Dexler. <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> my next pick. Oh, I forgot now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. My pick, my pick, my pick. Surprisingly, I'm looking at my team now and I don't have a West Ham player. Oh, wow. And um, I think I'm looking at a West Ham player and I'm looking at Jared Bowen. I think Jared Bowen for me um, looks good. Yeah, looks good. Like plays on the front foot uh, is an integral part to uh, that West Ham attacking unit. And I think he provides more certainty in terms of uh, fitness as opposed to Mike, uh, Mikel Antonio. I think Mikel Antonio, great striker, uh, looks like a great guy as well. But honestly, Gerard Bowen for me is, I think he will get a move to a bigger club. Liverpool are eyeing him yeah, apparently. I'm not surprised because mm-hmm. he fits the mold, right? Uh, and I would be, um, I think it would be good to get a West Ham player and for me, Gerard Bowen stands out. Do you know that a Premier League player uh, has a link to uh, Singapore? Oh, wow. Who? Yeah, Jared Bowen. Why? Bowen secondary. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, my second player is of course... Uh, Chahui, is that you? <laughs> he confirmed never listen. <laughs> he won't listen, don't worry. He uh, listen also never retweet. My second player... <laughs> <laughs> my second player is of course a uh, Crystal Palace player and that's uh, Wilfred Zaha. Uh, Wilf! I, I think it's quite an obvious choice at the start of the season maybe because I think Zaha is someone like you will go to for for, for your Premier League Zaha choice. Zaha midfielder, bro. In midfielder, yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, he's at 7 million. So why I pick him now is because I think you look at Palace now. I think 
they're on a very, very good run at the moment. Uh, when you look at Palace and how they attack, a lot of the attack goes through Wilfred Zaha. Mm. And I think he's someone who's always dangerous, always looking to get on the front foot. Uh, yes, of course, there's other options like I think Olsen Edward or Jordan Ayu even for the matter of fact or some will go for Benteke. Yeah. But I think with Zaha, you're more or less guaranteed a starting role in each game. Yeah. And I think what makes it even more exciting is the fact that you still got Michael Olise who's so creative as a player. You got um, Conor Gallagher who's so creative as a player. And then you've got Mr. Eze, Eberichi Eze, who has started training mm. uh, with Crystal Palace. Mm. Once he comes in, there's going to be another creative player added yeah. to the mix. Yeah. So this gives Zaha so much of opportunities. Yeah. And with all these players that I mentioned, like I said, one player who will always start is Wilfred Zaha. Yeah. So I think with the price that he's on, if I'm not wrong, he's at uh, 7 million, if I'm not yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh, and their fixture list, bro. They've got Burnley, Aston Villa, and Leeds. Yeah. So, fantastic fixtures to look at. So, definitely one play to look at. And of course, I, I have to say, right, Conor Gallagher is looking like such a gem for, yeah, for Fantasy yeah, Premier League because it. of his price yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, just before we round off the episode, Roshan, we've got to talk about FPL seasons, bro. I mean, it's been quite the, the disaster for, for me this season. Uh, maybe before I come to you, I'll, I'll talk about some learning points so far as we Ooh, take a reflective break. Reflective. Reflective. <laughs> I think the problem for me has been, of course, I think early on... No wonder my, your name at the front got deep, bro. <laughs> my parents knew. <laughs> la, bro. Uh, one problem for me was my lack of trust in uh, Mohamed Salah. I think it's cost me big time. Uh, I started the season with him. I think game week one, game week two, game week three, I had him. And then I thought, eh, everybody got Salah. I go another way. And of course, he has come back to bite my ass big time. Um, and another problem that I've had also is... Because I was so far behind after uh, not having Salah, I've been trying to catch back up by having a differential as a captain. Um, like I told you, right, I think Lamptey on hindsight still to me seems like a good choice because of how the match transpired. Because I looked at how Newcastle were defending and I knew there was a the gap on their left flank and I thought Lamptey would benefit. And he did, but in a sense where he didn't quite get the returns because the, fin the, the strikers weren't finishing, right? So I think, yes, you can analyse a lot of the, the, the games and you know try to go in from an analytical perspective. But I think the proof is in the pudding. You've got to look at the people who are delivering week in, week out. And which is why I think you made a good point in the sense where just put your captaincy on Salah and forget it after mm. all. Uh, but I hope you understand what I mean by because I'm so far behind, I've got to play catch-up. No, I agree. And, and I tried to be different this week as well. I, I To your same point, I'm playing catch-up mm. to, I think Nitin is flying in that league. But yeah. anyway, they are very, I mean, overall as well, I'm playing catch-up, right? So I tried to be differential on paper. Ivan Tony, who hadn't got a goal in a while, looked plump for some goals against Norwich. And then, doesn't happen and that's the my biggest learning point I think in the in the effort to look for differentials you cannot uh, ignore uh, the obvious choice as well and for me I feel I've been a bit too impatient with some of my players I think Huang is the one who stands out I mean okay he's not in the goals now but there was a point where I plumbed for him way before there was this whole uh, wave of mm -hmm. getting Huang in mm. and then I maybe that him, one because squid game bro uh, possibly 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, either way, I should have I should have stuck to my guns because if I did, I would have got some returns, and I think that would have helped me. My strike force has struggled a lot, and on paper, I look at it, and I'm like, okay, well, these guys will score goal. I got Vardy, I got Tony, okay, who I'll remove later, and I got Obama Young, who like it's also there's a bit of a jinx going on. Like I've seen some tweets where they talk about when the player stops scoring, and guess when I got him in. I'm I'm one of those people at the moment. But having said that. I think it's only 11 games in. Mm -hmm. I think there's football left to be played. And 
after the international break, I think December will be fun purely because uh, there will be a lot of games and then you will scramble to get your good players in and that's a good opportunity to catch some people napping. I mean, I, obviously we do this podcast and we remind people when the game week ends but inevitably some people will forget and also some people will lose interest mm. halfway through and yeah. then that's when, you know, you got to strike it and it's hot. Yeah, but I think fundamentally uh, what you're saying is it's only been 11 game mm. weeks. I think for me in previous FPL seasons, right, I always start off very, very poorly. Oh, no, sorry. I always start off very well and then I end the season very poorly. Mm. So that's when a lot of my, my naive decisions come in. But this season is very unique for me in a sense where I've started off so poorly where I'm feeling the only way is up. So I hope that's a reverse in that sense. Like I mentioned, right, if I'm even behind producer Nas, it's a, it's a big, big problem for my fantasy Premier League team. Nas got Smithro spot on though. Yeah, Captain yeah, him as well. So. No, I think, I think Smithro is a, like to me now, I think a must get, but like you say, are the fixtures that Arsenal have, yeah. not quite sure. But yeah, just a message to all the, the fantasy Premier League managers. Like us, if you're not performing at the moment, uh, there's only way up. Same thing can be said about... And- your, alternatively vice versa right if you're doing well then tweet us and at the final whistle or check out Deepan or Roshan on Instagram or Twitter and tell us what's your secret because boy could I use some advice yep and on that note uh, thank you so much for listening and joining us for this episode see you see you soon